Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Uh, hello. It's, uh, is it Kermit the Frog joining us? Oh, yes. <laughs> Speaking of changing our voices and calling in. Yeah. Hey, it's Friday, uh, September 8th, 2023. And uh, did you know something that happened on this day? Star Trek was born. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we may not be excited about that, but we've got an admin here who is a Trekkie, admittedly. Is that right? And so she's excited that it was, uh, it got its start back in 1966, 1986, 20 years later. You know what else else got its start on September 8th? I know this is your favorite show. 1986. This is your favorite team. Nope. Um, Think more talk show. Adam's family. Oh, uh, uh, oh, oh, Oprah. Yes. Oprah. Oprah. This is your, see, I told you, this is your favorite show. Dude, mad respect for Oprah and what she did. I do not appreciate anything that she believes, but what she did is impressive. You get a car and you get a car and you get a car. Well, not that. I mean, I just, her her rise from the bottom to the top. I was, I'm impressed by what she did. Yeah. Not what she teaches. Well, I brought up both of those facts with, uh, with Kelly, our admin before this podcast. And she said, are those two facts related to each other? And I said, I don't know. And she goes, well, I guess they both are kind of out there. They are out there. But is, is that a, yeah. Mm, space. Outer space. Yep. Oprah. Yep. Star Trek. Well, how is Oprah out there in the sense that like. She's kind of wonky. Ideolo- ideology. Right. Like, yes. Okay. Yeah. Track her point of view, her life, things like that. Also, if any of you are from Macedonia, happy Independence Day. Or you, Massachusetts. Or Massachusetts. Happy Independence. No. Macedonia won its independence from Yugoslavia today. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like today. Today. Oh, wow. No, 1991. I was going to say. That's when it I happened. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Anyways, sometimes it's fun to do things like this, but uh, yeah, September 8th on uh, Friday. It's also Merry Miss. Did you know what Merry Miss is? Uh, I'm guessing how to do middle of the year. It's uh, like half the year before Christmas or something like that. No. No. Mary, Mary not as in joyful, but Mary is in the name. Oh, uh, the day that Mary was born. Is that the According way According to church tradition. To Catholic church, I'm guessing. This is the day that Mary was born. Wow. Yeah. The day they recognize the day they celebrate. We don't celebrate that, but let's talk about conspiracy theories. Okay. Where's Mary? Where's Jesus? What do you call it? The shroud of Turin. Where's that? Is that real? And can we find that still? Is that still available? Yeah, I believe it's still intact somewhere. Yes. The Shroud of Turin? Yeah. It's really a thing. It is and a you thing. you think it's really Jesus' face on that thing? I didn't say that. I said, I think the shroud is there. The shroud is there. And we don't know, you don't know if it's Jesus' actual shroud. I don't know. It seems pretty cool. It's, I mean, it's a cool idea. Yeah. Well, even the, the, the original cross, right? I mean, think about that. That when, would be fun. When, uh, fun as in like really fascinating, not fun as in yeah, anything right. else. Fascinating. Right. Well, when Constantine's wife found, kind of rediscovered uh, Golgotha in Jerusalem um, and was instrumental in the construction of the, the church that's now there, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, uh, there was apparently down at the, the base of this hill, there were a lot of discarded crosses that had been used for crucifixions. And, and that's the thing. This How was would an, you know? Right? Yeah, you wouldn't DNA, know. Before DNA testing. Right. This is an, uh, an area where a lot of criminals were, were executed and Jesus was one of them. Mm. But she discovered all these discarded crosses. Fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. What else is fascinating? The, Bible. the word of God. The Bible is fascinating. I saw you coming a yep. mile away. Yep. Well, that's what I do. I make these just textbook transitions that are not painful at all. Not at all. Proverbs 13 and 14. And it. then 
we finish up first Corinthians. That's right. Proverbs chapter 13, as we've been doing of late with the last couple, we're going to continue to do with uh, the book of Proverbs. And that is just grab a few of these as we go through and uh, and speak to them and the way we can apply them in our lives. How about 13.4? The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. There's a, a good thing to be teaching for us to, to embrace, but also something that's good to be teaching uh, the future generations of, uh, of people coming up. I mean, we were bemoaning things a little bit earlier today and just uh, in, in yesterday on just how bad things can be right now with, with uh, the younger generations. And, and this is an important principle to be teaching them, right? This is the, uh, this is not the participation trophy uh, verse. No, this is, if, if you want it, you got to work for it. Uh, but if you don't work, you can't expect that you're going to get it because the slow, soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. Yeah, it's really interesting too because uh, there is a book that came out, I don't know how many years ago at this point, but it's called The Coddling of the American yep. Mind. Um, I can't pronounce either of the guys' names who, who wrote the book together, but it spe- specifically speaks to our generation today how the idea of a work ethic and being tough, resilient is kind of a, a waning value in our culture. Yeah. I actually highlighted the verse before this. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Whoever opens his wide opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Um, there's going to be lots of passages, lots of verses that will speak to the fruit of a man's mouth, which is verse two, right? The one right before that. So much of the Proverbs focus on how we use our lips. Giving Again, I know I keep on focusing on this because this just continues to resonate with me so deeply. Uh, what we say, how we say it really, really matters. Guard your lips. Is it that it resonates with you or are you just trying to subtly communicate something to me? So Pastor PJ, what I really <laughs> wanted you to see about this. No, I mean, I, I feel it. Yeah. I, I feel the pangs of this all the time because I, again, I, we use our, our speaking for a living. This is what we get partially paid to do. And I feel the weight of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even as Jesus himself said, we will be held accountable for every careless word. Every careless word, which is, I mean, so here, here's something interesting then. We aren't judged for our sin after we've been saved by grace through faith in Christ. So when he says that, he must mean that at the Bema seat, right. we will suffer some kind of loss right. because we uttered careless words. Right. That's sobering. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about that a little bit last time with first Corinthians 15, that star as star from star differs in its brilliance and its glory. That that's true of the resurrected bodies. Like there's going to be some that you're going to be like, Whoa, that person lived in an exemplary life. Look at, look at them. Look how bright Uh, that dude is. Yeah. And and that's, that's the hard thing, right? Because there's not going to be shame or guilt or sorrow or regret. I don't think when we're in heaven, I wonder though if that bema seat might be the last moment of regret that we feel hmm. before eternity. Interesting, yeah, that's an interesting emotional dynamic. Because on the one hand, you're being commended by Christ, right? But I think you would have to be aware right. that you did lose something because of right the things that you did, right? Interesting. Yeah. How about verse ten? By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. Again, a good one for the younger generations to wrap their minds around. I remember growing up and just being a punk and thinking that I knew everything and knew how to do everything. And, and I was insolent <laughs> in so many ways. Um, and, uh, and yet it's, it's seeking out the advice of those that have gone before us, those that are wise, uh, that imparts wisdom to us. And there's, there's a good principle for us to take away from that. And, and we're still there. We, we still need that mindset. No matter where you are in life, there's always somebody else who can bring wisdom to bear in your life in a way that's going to encourage you. Right. The very next verse also stood out to me. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. 
Um, you, of course, can think of the obvious one here, lottery winners. You heard of the lottery winners curse, Pastor PJ? I have. Those who win the lottery tend to lose it all and yeah. die in horrific, tragic deaths. But I mean, we could can't, we could put this in a really in a lot of different areas. Think about those who get weight loss surgeries. Now, you, you get the quick reward without having to work to get to the actual reward itself. You miss the right. journey. And therefore, you're less equipped. You're far less equipped to handle the very thing that you work or that you that you got. And that's true with money. That's true with weight loss surgery. That's true with a lot of things, which is why you get this concept of the entitled or spoiled brat, the kid who just has it all and doesn't have to earn any of it. I know we've talked a, talked a lot about the younger generation, but I mean, I, I feel this even still. I, I, I like the idea of life hacks of quick fixes I like the idea of getting to something faster than normal but there is something to be said about doing things little by little growing in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ through a, a long and faithful life yeah yeah and there i mean it's it's there's the reward that comes with that of just the satisfaction of the hard work and and seeing that incremental growth i think it was peterson who wrote the book a long obedience in the same direction. Yeah, Eugene Peterson. I haven't read that one yet, but I just read a quote today from that book and I thought I really ought to pick this up sometime. Yeah, yeah. Verse 13, whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. There's not much more to say on that. I mean, I it's like pretty that, plain, yeah. but that's a, a commendation of the word of God in our respect and in, in honoring the word of God. All right, man, you ready for a curveball? Yeah. It's not, it's really not a curveball, but verse 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Does the Bible command us to spank our children? Is that what we're seeing here? Yes, I, I think it does. I think there that there's a, a corporal, element of, of punishment that is expected that's there that um was committed not only by the the by solomon in the writer of proverbs but that's just a, a general idea of of correction and discipline and and yeah i think we have to do it with control and we have to do it not out of anger and we have to do it in a, a measured response to the sin that was committed but i do think that there is a, a biblical precept and and principle here that does support the the notion that we should spank so clearly in verse 24 there the 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 counterbalance to this is discipline whoever spares the rod hates his son but the one who loves him diligent to discipline so the rod and discipline they're calling kind of working hand in hand here if a parent says well spanking my kid doesn't seem to be working um i i discipline him or her by i don't know what was popular when i was growing up time out i give them a time out i tell them to think about what they're doing what they're saying or I use some other means to discipline. Is that wrong? Is that is that still within the bounds of not sparing the rod? I mean, there is a type of punishment, although it's not, you know, uh, anything on the rear end. Right. Yeah. And, and and you'll get to that place as parents. And and it, it for some it's it's an whatever the age is, right? Like, not to to expose him, but my fourteen year old, I don't spank my fourteen year old, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. getting to that that stage where he's almost as big as I am, so. <laughs> I remember, and I don't remember how long ago it's been years, but I remember the last time I did go to spank him, man, it, it was a, it was a wrestling match more than it was anything else. And, and, uh, who won? I did, okay. but, but still at that point, Bitter it's kind of like, okay, is this accomplishing the intended purpose? The, the, the purpose of discipline is, is to cause or inflict some sort of discomfort or pain or, um, or loss to the, the child that would cause them next time they're tempted to do the same thing to stop and remember the, the consequence and have that be a, a guard in their life to prompt them not to, to go down that path of disobedience again. So 
I do think with small children, it's good to discipline physically because that's something they understand. Their brains can equate, okay, man, my hand got flicked when I reached out to touch that thing. Even at a toddler, we would do that with, with my kids when they were toddlers. And they wouldn't reach out to touch it anymore after a couple times because they learned, oh man, when I do that, my hand gets flicked and I don't want that, that pain anymore. When you take a, a young child and, and put them in the corner and say, you need to think about what you've done, you're just punting as a parent. Because at that, at at a certain age, they have no capacity to really develop that that you know conscience and the weight of conscience to go. Oh man, I feel really bad that I punched my brother and and I really don't want to sit in this corner anymore. Yeah. No, they, they need to feel it and they need they need to fear it if, so that next time that that temptation arises, they are curbed from pursuing it. Yeah, there's so much more we could say about this, but I'll save it because there's there's more places in yep. the scripture that we're going to see that talk more about this. So. Yeah. Put, a, put a pin in that. I'm sure you got more questions. I've got more too. We'll get to it. Yeah. Also podcasts at, or podcast rather at compassntx.org. Sounds good. Yeah. Podcast at compassntx.org. Uh, chapter 14. Um, let's jump in here. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. I like the the contrast there. Walks in uprightness. You think of that that person who's got their 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 chest up what did jordan peterson did he talked about walking like a lobster or <laughs> the lobster did you ever read his I, 12 rules book <laughs> no he talks about the posture of lobsters in that book and that they're they'll like bow up and they carry themselves with this like yeah. sense of of pride and and he commends that he says that's a good thing that that's going to communicate that people will respect you and, and want to follow your lead but oh i get that yeah standing yeah. tall not looking not slouching right not sl- which because people are on their phones all the time they're used to that forward right. shoulder yeah i get that i get right I don't want to be a lobster. I don't want anyone putting butter all over my legs. <laughs> no, don't be a lobster. But he was devious in his ways. I think of the cartoon villain that's like the opposite that's hunched over and like rubbing his hands together. Probably and, on an iPhone. You know, playing yeah. it. Yeah. Android, excuse me. Yeah. Probably yeah. on an Android phone. Easy. Yeah, careful. Let's be careful. Um, but yeah, just uh, the, the general principle scattered throughout the Proverbs is is this idea of fearing the Lord, walking upright in, in uprightness, having integrity, that there's good that comes with that as opposed to the opposite. And so we see that in verse two. Verse four, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Uh, that tells me that there are some things that are worth making a mess for. Mm. Um, there are some things that you're going to have to invest in that are going to cause a lot of trouble and problem for you. But it's worth it in the long run. It's worth it because of what the the produce or the expected produce is from the thing. I think immediately of parenting. Yes. Having kids is as messy as it comes, but what we expect is that we will eventually be able to shoot those kids out as arrows in the hands of a warrior to make to make a a good impact for the kingdom. So there's lots of things like, I mean, you can think about business plans and ministry plans and uh, even even family plans. There's, there's lots of things that are implicated by this, but just know scripture would commend that fact that there are some things that are worth making a mess over, even if it comes with a lot of, uh, you know, stuff on your shoe. Yeah. So in that verse, here's a question. I know we've got a lot of families in our church and uh, just in general out there who struggle for one reason or another to have kids, fertility issues and things. So there's there's those situations. But then I've also run into families in, in the church, not necessarily our church specifically, am I thinking of anyone, but just in general who would say, married couple that would say, I, I, I just don't want to have kids. I don't want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And they've got their reasons and probably the the reason that I've heard that is is putting itself out at least is probably the most sanctified is I just don't want to bring kids into this world, right? Mm-hmm. It's so, such a messed up world. Is there grounds for a Christian couple to decide we don't want to have kids and bring kids into this world? I, I mean, I, man, there's probably several answers to this depending on the specific circumstance in mind. But uh, my quick reaction shooting from the hip, I would say the default is no 
And of course, there's an unless. There's an asterisk. There's some kind of small text beneath right. that that would say, okay, there's probably circumstances. I think of one that would be probably a, a good one is physically, it would be so taxing on the woman that it would threaten mm. her life instantaneously. Okay, that might be worth saying, maybe we're not going to do this unless and until there, there's, a, there's a season where it makes total sense. Otherwise, perhaps not. But the default for any Christian couple should be, man, we, we want to promote and encourage building families. I mean, yeah. you and I both have, I guess large air quotes here, large families by maybe the, the cultural average, but they're not large. If you look at human history, only five would be the way they talk about us. Right. hundred years ago. But generally speaking, Christians are favorable to families We're favorable to kids. We love kids. We love children. They're messy. They create issues for everybody. They're, they're problematic in a lot of ways, but the abundant crop that comes from the family ox is worth the effort. Um, granted, you, you, you experience great valleys of sorrow and difficulty, but the peaks are also equally as high and as joyful. And yeah. God's saying that's worth the risk. That's yeah. worth the effort. Yeah. Also in in Idaho, they don't think five is a lot. I went out to preach nope. there for our church plant out there and I, I stood up and was introducing myself. I was like, yeah, I've got five kids at home. And usually, at least in California, you got this audible oh. gasp. It's like, <sighs> What Why? World? You're destroying our climate. Are you a Mormon? They're like, nobody blinked. They're like, oh, yeah, that's okay. it. Okay. Yeah. You're one of us. Great. <laughs> or, or you need to aspire to be one of us. Yeah. Hit well, hey, 11 and 12. We're going to jump to first Corinthians chapter 16. But one thing I wanted to encourage you with as we, uh, before we leave Proverbs is uh, make note of the repeated themes in the book of Proverbs. And uh, what I've done is I've, I've just written little letters to the side of verses here to, to kind of categorize them in different themes. Like the writer talks a lot about anger, being slow to anger, controlling our temper. He talks a lot about lying. So I'll write like a little L next to the verses that are talking about lying. You know, he talks a lot about work. And so maybe that's a W that you want to write there, whatever system makes sense to you, but it's helpful for, for you as you're reading through, or as you're tur- turning back and forth to the book of Proverbs, uh, to be able to, to pick up on these little systems and, and know uh, the themes that are there and, and what those verses are about before you even really dive into the text itself. Right. Good idea. First Corinthians chapter 16. The book comes to an end here, as Paul so often does, with uh, a series of, of greetings, um, encouraging them to pray for him, expressing his desires, his plans. He wants to come to visit them. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, but I, I, I intend first to pass through Macedonia. He's talking there about a collection for the saints in 16, 1 through 4. This is not, by the way, uh, the same thing as an offering. This is not what we do on Sunday mornings or, or if you give online. This is not the same thing we're talking about. This is an, a, a special offering that was being taken up and being brought to the church in Jerusalem. So, um, but Paul talks about that there. He's talking about sending Timothy. He's commending Timothy to them saying, Hey, we want you to put him at ease when he gets there. Timothy's a, a good, strong labor in the Lord. Don't despise him. You think of Paul's instructions to Timothy when he said, let no one look down on you. And here's Paul saying to the church at Corinth, Hey, don't despise him. Don't look down on him when he gets there. And then w- one of the verses that I just really love in, uh, and it, it builds off of what we talked about last time in, in chapter 15, where he said, uh, hey, therefore, my beloved, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. In verse 13 of chapter 16 now, he says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. So kind of summarizing a lot of his instructions from the book. And then he concludes with some greetings to the people that are there. Yeah, one verse that stood out to me, verse nine, a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Mm. Kind of would expect Paul to say the opposite. Right. And there are no adversaries. Well, to the contrary, uh, Paul observes that there's a wide door for good work 
And the adversaries are not a discouragement to that work. So if you've recently moved to Texas or you're considering it still, or, or you're just thinking about opening, or going through a door that God opens for you to serve his, his kingdom, don't think that adversarial opposition is God saying, stop. That may not be the case at all. There still could be a wide door for effective work that the, the Lord has opened to you. And the adversaries are just part of the package deal. Don't be deterred. Don't be discouraged. In fact, you should stand firm in the faith. You should act like a man and be strong. Uh, which, by the way, act like men. He's talking to a church of mixed audience, right? Men and women. He's talking to women. Hey, women, act like men. Be strong. thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're there scratching your head, it's it's it was representative. It was a term that was representative uh, for both males and females. That's why Paul addresses brothers so often in the scriptures. When you read your Bible translation, your English translation maybe says brothers and sisters. Um, it's the term in the Greek at Delphos, which is brothers. And, uh, and yet it was representative of those included there. But yeah, on that note with adversaries, a lot of times when we encounter the adversaries, it's a sign that we are doing what right God place, wants yeah. us to do. Yeah. yeah. Excellent point. Um, and so, yeah, if you're still considering coming to Texas, we got room for you. And we'd love to have you. The water's fine. The water is warm right now. It's really, it's always going to be really warm, yeah. I think. Except next week it's cooling down. For a day or two. Yeah. Well, no, for a little bit. Okay. I'm, I'm convinced that I'm going on record. I think we're done with the hundreds going into next week. Mm, all right. All right. Until next summer. But I mean, for now. Crack open your pumpkin spice latte. Is that I, what you're saying? I am. Yep. All I'm right. going to bust out my jackets and my sweatshirts. Anyways, we'll catch you guys tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Daily Bible Podcast.